The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone, Macca19 here and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me as co-host, the lovely Porsche. How are you? Macca, I'm great. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Oh gosh, what a what a game! It was a lot better than what we predicted in the um, in the podcast on Thursday. That's for sure. But yeah, uh, it wasn't wasn't a record, but uh, it's probably made me more angry, more frustrated. I think. Really? Yep. Oh, I don't know. Oh, okay, yep. fair enough. I, no- I um, noticed that I noticed that your comments uh, on the game day thread and the review thread have been more acerbic than usual. So um, yes. Mm. Well, you know. It's all well and good to uh, come out and uh, perform when you're playing against your arch rival, but uh, you know where was that against Melbourne or Carlton or Frio? Yeah, or Sydney. You know, it's uh, yeah, incredibly frustrating. But we'll get to that. Have you been watching uh, Survivor? I have not been watching Survivor, um, which makes me obviously very Port Adelaide disloyal. I do have to apologise, but um, no, I haven't. Macca, what's the news from Survivor, mate? Good old uh, Matty Tarrant, the old. Yes. Uh, the old smaller warrior on Big Footy, Port Adelaide ambassador, is on there and he's going pretty well. So, uh, you yeah, know, I'm sure we're all thinking of him and uh, hoping he brings home the bacon. That's for sure. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm. At least uh, we might have one win this year if that happens. <laughs> Can we really count that? Oh, I'm I'm hanging on to anything at the moment. <laughs> uh, I'm just waiting for the Mad Monday podcast next Monday. Oh, yeah. Counting the days. Should we do it drunk? I'm pretty tempted to. And dressed up. (laughs) Well, it won't really matter because it's a podcast, but I'll definitely do it drunk if you do. (laughs) Look, I'll uh, I'll try and chug down as many drinks as I can in the uh, half an hour after I get home and and start, for sure. It's a deal. I'll the vodka. Get the bloody scotch out. (laughs) Too good. Let's do that. Right. Now, before we get started on the uh, usual festivities... Uh, Porsche, have you ever brought fruit to a football game? Um, look, no, I haven't, and particularly not in the middle of winter. Um, if, if I had, I had thought about it in the past, but like in a you know February game, pre-season sort of thing. But no, it seems a very strange thing to do, Macca. Mm. Um, mm. Have you ever thrown a banana at someone? I've never thrown a banana at someone. I've never actually thrown fruit at anyone. So I've thrown an apple at someone. That was, have you? That was fun. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The best thing about throwing apples is you uh, you lightly tap it on a table. For I did this at school. We used to do yeah. this at school. You, you tap it on a table and make sure you don't break the skin so that the yeah. actual apple inside turns to liquid. Ah. It's kind of like an apple water balloon where you throw it and it just explodes on impact and just covers someone in uh, apple juice. Okay. It's probably closest... not the best thing to be covered in, to be honest. The closest thing I can think to remembering doing that was, I think, old cans of Snowtop or one of those <laughs> had had really thin tins, so you'd shake them yep. up and you'd chuck them really hard at the ground and they'd explode. Ah, there you go. Uh, yep. There we go. Look, what, uh, look, all fun aside, because it's certainly not a uh, an incident to joke about, what, uh, what's your take on the uh, banana throwing racial uh, <sighs> Why would you do it? And, I mean, I don't know, like, I, I don't know what the situation is in terms of how premeditated it was, but uh, first of all, why do you throw something at, at any player? Like, why mm. why do you do that? What's the 
value of that. Um, and then to do that and then apparently mean it, I don't get it. I don't understand why anyone would do it. I don't understand why they jump up and down like an idiot after doing it. Yeah. I don't. I don't get it. It's um, look, it's it's obviously highly distressing and probably in two parts really. And I'll, look, the the act itself, the the uh, supposed motivation behind it, and uh, almost celebrating doing it, um, and the fact of all nights for it to happen, to, for it to happen on Eddie Betts' two hundred fiftieth game. Yeah, with uh, you know his family there and, and all that, you know, bringing his kids onto the ground. It's it's a, uh, you know, it's not a fun situation. It's a really sad situation for it to happen. And I don't understand what would go through someone's mind where, in this day and age, with phone cameras and social media and twenty four seven news coverage, and you know, why would you think of doing something like that in a packed stadium, on one of the biggest sporting events on South Australia's calendar? Why would you think that's an appropriate or smart thing to do, and and that you could get away with it, and without much incident, and even if it wasn't, um, even if it wasn't actually recorded, it would still be found out. Like everyone knows your seat number, yeah. Your name's still going to get out there. You're still going to be in a world of hurt. Like it's just pure idiocy for it to happen. And the second part, look, I I love our football club. And I might get frustrated, I might get angry, I might get really upset at decisions that we make and you know, how we play and you know, underperform and all that sort of stuff. But deep down, I love this football club to death. And as a supporter, I would never do anything with the intention of, of jeopardising that or putting a black mark against our club's name and, and being involved in an incident that would tar my fellow supporters with the same brush. And Again, it baffles me just uh, that someone would think this is an appropriate thing to do whilst dressed head to toe in port gear. Like, what the hell are you thinking? And this is what, like, the fourth incident that's made national news since we've crossed to Adelaide Oval from, mm. uh, from mm. supposed supporters. And, you know, is this the payoff we get for a huge increase in our attendance? And is it that we've attracted a bunch of nuff nuffs who have no idea how to act responsibly and socially? Like, the club should not have to defend itself because these morons can't control themselves and act in a socially acceptable way. Uh, look, I mean, it's really, there's a, a lot to it. Um, it's a racist act, but as much as anything else, it's a xenophobic act, and xenophobia is rife in Australia, as it is in most of the Western world at the moment. Mm. Um, and so doing things like this, like, as you said, you get caught, absolutely. Um but that's we thinking of that, and that's the rational thing. You go, yeah, that's what's going to happen. But then, what if one day it doesn't? You know, what if they suddenly it starts getting swept under the rug again? You know, um, these things. It's really unfortunate that this will have a singular focus on this one woman, um, as saying this is unacceptable. But when the counterexamples come every day uh, from xenophobes, you know, like Andrew Bolton, God knows who else, coming out there point, pinpointing individual people for targeting. Um, I don't know. What what else do you do? What else do you do? And the offence to Eddie and his family and any any Aboriginal person that watched that game, um, that's absolutely appalling. You know, um, it's a complicated issue. Why why you would do it and then say, oh, well, the alleged comment. I'm not going to repeat it. The alleged comment that she made after doing it. So I. Did you not enjoy watching Gavin Wangamine or Byron Pickett or the Burgoynes and Jakey Needs out there, Jarman Impey's out there? Like what? It, it baffles me. I, I have no idea what goes through some people's head. 
I think it's the false uh, grouphood of being a Port Adelaide fan um, in that you think everyone, that, you know, you're like all your mates support fans, for example. Let's just say all your mates support fans or if they're not, whatever. Um, and you think that your mates that are Port fans have similar views to you. And so you go to a, a game where there's lots of people wearing Port gear and you mistakenly assume it's the same group. Because mm. um, okay. these people, you know, people doing things like this, it's not happening in isolation. They're getting it from the people around them. Um, we're pinpointing this one woman, but I'd bet that there's, you know, for her there's at least 10 people she interacts with regularly that would have not dissimilar opinions. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. But all you can do is shut it down um, and, and penalise it when it does and try to point out, yeah, <laughs> that it's not, not appropriate. It's not a good thing to do. It's an awful thing to do. Dylan on the speaker who said, uh, just wanted to say I was taken aback watching the footage. I mean, you read about it and, and think, yeah, that's shit, but it was actually really horrible to look at. And yeah. The first I heard about it was on the radio, um, listening to uh, ABC, I think it was, after the game, uh, driving home, and I actually laughed because I thought the thought of someone throwing a banana at an Aboriginal player is so ludicrous in this day and age. I thought, surely not. Surely someone's having, having a lend here. Mm. And then to find out that it's actually true, and there's video footage of it, and they're actually kind of celebrating what happened. Like, it's just phenomenal. Like, it, it really is, isn't it? It's, I almost feel like laughing again. It's just like, what goes through your head? Unbelievable. And, like, yeah, I mean, and like, you know, if someone, if someone had told me again, you know, they've thrown a banana, I'd think, oh, what, they were eating a banana at the time? No, no, brand new one. You know, not not a banana skin, whole banana being held at the end of the game when no one eats anything in those last five minutes of the game. No one eats anything in the last five minutes of the game. Nah. Um, who can in a close game? Who can eat? So, it, it yeah, it's it beggars belief. Mm. Anyway. Oh, well, enough about that. And uh, yeah. let's uh, try and find some positives and uh, talk about something else. And let's go on to our sweet and sour from the weekend. Uh, one thing we found a sweet one thing we found sour about Port Adelaide. Portia, what was your sweet? Um, I'm not going to pretend it's a sign of definite things to come or anything like that, but I really, 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 really liked Carl Amon's goal. That yeah. one where he, he ran pretty well. He took his time. He took his time, unusual for a Port player, and he slotted it. It wasn't an easy shot, but he slotted it because he concentrated yeah. and he took his time and he got it right. Mm. And the reason I like it so much is because we see it so rarely that seeing players on the run genuinely, you know, set themselves, think about what they're doing rather than just sort of kick it because they're running, you know? Yeah. Oh, it was a great goal. And Yeah. Look, I mean, probably eight times out of ten we've seen that this year and it's gone out on the full. <laughs> so uh, it was great yeah, but- to kick that. But even then, we haven't seen that kind of deliberate approach. Like a lot yeah. of the time, there'll be players running, but they're running full pelt because they reckon they might have someone on their bum or whatever else. And they might be thinking, oh, you know, there's someone right behind me. So they don't take that time to settle. Yeah. And that's so important. And we have hardly anyone that does it. True. No, it's uh, it's very true. <laughs> it's a good point you make. And uh, look, hopefully that's uh, that might be, as you say, you didn't want to say it, but hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Yeah, hopefully. Hmm. Mm. What's yours? Uh, mine was the Maggie's good form, and it might be too little, too late. And uh, 
probably cost ourselves a spot in the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once again, I thought Will Snelling was uh, really impressive and... Uh, I've no doubt, um, had he not missed a big chunk of the year, he would have played games this year and uh, really excited about what he can bring to the club next year. And uh, a couple of other young guys uh, played pretty well as well. Cam Hewitt had his best game and uh, Dan Houston probably uh, close to the same as well. So uh, good signs. I'm not going to can you for naming a Magpies thing as your suite, but Mm. I would like to, in your stead, I would like to also add Jared Pollack. I think the game he played this week is exactly the sort of game we want to see from him every week. Yeah. Um, I think the game, and I had a look through his history with Port, and I think the games where you see and you think, oh, yeah, Jared Pollock's played pretty well, are the games when he gets a lot of inside 50s, and he got a good number this time. I think he got his equal game year high. So yeah. um, where, where he plays on the ground is really important, I think, and I want to see him playing like he did this week all the time. Yeah. Oh, look, he was fantastic as well, no doubt about mm. that. And mm. uh, one of the most impressive games he's played this year and yep. uh, probably a, a lot tougher um, he played as well this year. So, uh, no, it was certainly good. Um, what was your sour this week? Uh, the finish, Tumpus's mess up. Ugh. It was under pressure. He's he's not had much AFL time. He so And he's new to the club still, realistically. Um, in terms of playing in the first 22, and he coughed it up at a time that it was hugely da- dangerous and terrible. That yep. has to be the sour, really. Yep, mine's uh, the same, Jimmy the Tump. Um, mm. Look, we've uh, yeah, we've been calling for him to come back in on this podcast, and we've yeah. said it for the last sort of uh, probably the last sort of four to six weeks, we've been saying, oh, it'd be good to see him get another game and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, he's played some really good footy at SANFL level this year, and. Uh, Look, he bottled it. He absolutely bottled it. And, uh, you know, uncontested kicks out on the full, missing the target by 15 metres when trying to switch the play. And as you mentioned, that horror moment late in the match, uh, which uh, sealed the game for the Crows, really. And uh, mm. you, you could see it a mile off. Well, I was sitting pretty high up, and you could see the uh, the cog slowly ticking in his head of, uh, oh, should I do this? Oh, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, maybe I might switch. No, I won't do that. I'll, I'll look inside. Oh, there's a player in front of me. I might uh, handball it over the top. Oh, bang, turnover, done. Game over. And, uh, you know, he looks really slow by foot, slow by he mind. He does. Slow by mind, and uh, his skills aren't anywhere near clean enough to get away with the first two. So, you know, he was a real disappointment, and it might be a little bit of hyperbole, but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's almost a career killer, that sort of performance. Look, I mean, uh, I think that Tompus hasn't had a lot of opportunity, admittedly, um, and that was not a good match this weekend. But I think part of what really is the career killer is how well Melbourne's players have been developing this year particularly. Um, You know, we've said in the past, like, oh, this player's got to de-Richmond him or we've got to de-Melbourne him or whatever else, and it's like, well, how come Tumpus is the one that's struggling and everyone else there seems to be doing pretty well? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so maybe it is the player. That's that's what I think. Having said that. that, Melbourne were pretty poor on the weekend. So. Oh, yeah, but they're, they're still working on the... Yeah, I'll shut up about Melbourne. They're working on the team <laughs> stuff, but the individuals are still doing a lot better. That's still Melbourne, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, uh, I guess we'll wait and see. He's contracted for next year, so... Uh, I assume he'll be around next year. Hopefully he can have a decent uh, pre-season, um, get his mind right, get his confidence up. Um, I guess the uh, the bad thing is that he really does look like a confidence player and uh, if his confidence is down, 
Um, it's probably a very bad thing for his performance level. Well, and also, where do you play him on the field? Well, I guess that's another thing is, uh, you know, I guess some people have sort of said, oh, why are we playing him across the back line when he's not done that at SANFL level? But he has done that at SANFL level. Uh, level. Yeah. He has played a lot across in that Salopec, um quarterback role and done pretty well. And he has been kicking goals whilst doing that. Um, so we really brought him in to do a, a similar sort of role. But uh, I don't think his skills are at the level to be able to f- perform that way at AFL level. Um, if, you, if you're going to be that sort of unaccountable quarterback, you've got to hit targets. And if you're yep. not going to hit targets, if you're not going to make smooth clinical decisions... There's no hope for you in that role at AFL level. At all. None at all. And you need to be able to think fast when you're under pressure. Absolutely. Yep. Mm. Right. Uh, what was your... Oh, you did you say your yeah. sour? Yeah. yeah, that was my sour. You stole oh, yeah, it from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. Stop watching Survivor Maca. Bloody hell. Uh, uh, right, yeah. on to questions. Uh, Bomber Clifford has asked... Uh, a three-pronged question here. Uh, number one, I guess, uh, on a similar theme, was Tumpus really that bad, or did he just make some pitards at crucial moments? Um, I know that pitard is used occasionally on the board for a player that makes big, obvious mistakes, but pitard, even when he was making big, obvious mistakes, was also doing big, obvious, really good things, and Tumpus has not been doing that. So, yeah, I think we could all kind of put up with Pittard's mistakes because he was trying to create, trying to take the game on, you know, running hard. Yeah. He'd just run himself into trouble and look like a bit of a goose doing it. Um, but Tumpus, yeah, when you're sort of uh, unsure of what decisions you're making whilst not actually gaining any ground and yep. turning the ball over while you're trying to switch the play or kicking backwards, uh, that's not a good thing at all. No, so no. I think... Uh, <laughs> to answer the question, yes, Tumpus probably was that bad on the weekend. Yeah, it's the combination of not only disposal or efficiency or whatever else you want to call it, but also just the, the whole application to getting the ball forward and doing the important things. So, yeah. mm. uh, Was Palmer really good or were we just star for good news? Star for good news. Yeah. Look, Palmer had a great start. He, uh, he had a ripping first quarter but then fell out of the game quite a bit and... Uh, Pretty much yeah. didn't do anything in the second half at all. But, uh, look, again, the signs are there. I was really impressed by that first half. And, you know, he was a young kid, second game, pressure occasion. Uh, and to take a really strong mark and, and go back and slot your first goal was uh, was nice. Yeah, no, it was, a, it was a nice mark and a nice goal. But let's not kid ourselves in terms of the priority for the Crows of players to shut down. He was number 22. So, yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, Would we have won with a Butcher instead of Sarge? Uh, maybe. Wouldn't have thought so. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'm not convinced either way. <laughs> when we give up uh, 80 points out of 109 in turnovers, uh, mm. I think we could have had Treadray up there and it wouldn't have made any difference, to be honest. Well, we did lose games when we had Treadray playing, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> and we kicked, what, eight goals in a showdown or something, and uh, one that yeah. we actually lost quite convincingly. So Yeah, so... Mm. Uh, Papagallo was asked, uh, with the emergence of DBJ and the expectation that Bonner is going to carve things up, um, does Cracker have a spot on our list? Um, I think he does, but not for the reasons that you might expect, which is that I have said for a while now we need to trade out 
um, half-back flankers that have peaked um, and that we'll get something for. So it might be that if we trade, just picking names, for example, like Broadbent or you know someone an equivalent in that sort of peak age thing and they're a good player or a goodish player at the moment and can get something decent for them, then that may save Cracker because he'll be lower on the priority. But we know he can still play okay. Um, and we won't get trade. We won't get anything in trade for him, but you might get something in trade for the person that he slash Bonner slash um, DBJ replace. Yeah. So, mm. I wouldn't bat an eyelid if Cracker's not on the list next year. To be honest. Yeah. Oh look, I'm not too. I think I'm he's not... had a really poor season this year. Um, he looks lazy. He makes lazy decisions. Um, yeah, I haven't been impressed at all. If we kept Cracker. In my opinion, it would be because we traded out multiple halfback flankers um, and he's just filling the gaps and we've got lots of draft picks coming through. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, we certainly do have a lot of uh, back flankers, so uh, yeah. I've got no doubt we'll be getting rid of <laughs> probably one at least, maybe even two, you never know. Yeah, it's just that if we delist off the bottom, like if we, if we just delist the worst two... Then that's not actually improving our draft pick incoming no, right. situation. Right. So that's yeah. that's the issue. Yeah. Uh, Andre has asked the question. King Andre has asked uh, why, with one club now in place, would players be called up to the AFL side and then asked to do a role they haven't at SANFL level? Do you think it's a failure to utilise having a single reserves team? And he's um, given examples of Tumpus at halfback and Sammy Gray as a small forward earlier on in his career. Uh look. I think there probably is something that can be done there, and I think that the club is still negotiating the idea of Port Magpies as seconds team versus Port Magpie as an entity that can win games. Um, they're not the same thing, and they'll become more evident if we do go the draft pick route and bring in a bunch of young tools. Um, there were advantages to the old system. Um, I've mentioned it multiple times on this podcast, but like I think we had that one week back in the 90s where we had, or 2000s or whatever it was, Barnaby French, Chad Corns, Bowen Lockwood and Damon White all playing centre-half forward for SANFL clubs. Mm. Um, you know, that, 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 that was useful at that time because we were trying to whittle down and see who would turn out to be a decent player. And that, there, that is, there's definitely an advantage to be able to do that. But on the whole, you'd have to say the fact that we keep the players together is probably better, but the, that relationship does still need to be negotiated. Yeah. That's fair. I think, uh, is it a failure? I, I don't think it is. Uh, as I said, Tumpus has been playing a lot off halfback at SANFL level. Um, in, in terms of midfielders, what exactly do you do? I mean, you need sort of backup mids. Um, you need players in that sort of position in good form uh, in the SANFL coming through. But they're never going to replace... Like, like Sammy Gray was never going to replace someone like Boak or Gray or Wines in the midfield. So these players know they're going to have to find other positions to uh, to make their own at AFL level. And whether that's on a forward flank or whether it's as a, a bench midfielder coming on uh, for sort of short bursts, um, you know, they, they would know they've got to uh, try and make every, you know, everything they do a winner, to be honest. And uh, I don't think it's a failure at all. And particularly when it comes to key position players, it's an inevitability if you're serious about it. Yeah. Um, and that might look, it might be that might be part of why we have such a weirdly balanced list right now, which is that you know if this draft, I'd like us to draft two or three key forwards. Ideally, that'd be really great. Yeah. Um, but then, how many key forwards are you going to play in the Magpies? You know. Yeah. Um, they're not all going to be full forward. They're not all going to be centre half forward. What's going to happen? No, you're right. 
Right. Um, AFL 2004 has asked the question, uh, we've been horrible at home for two years. What can we do to rectify this? Uh, and how badly will the last two years affect our finances? As a bit of a aside as well. The first question is a good one. I think the reality is we just haven't got all that great a team. Yeah. Um, the the fact that we're winning away is interesting. I, I think it's probably a question that I probably should have done some prep work for <laughs> because I think that overall the games that we've played away have been against worse teams against, than the teams we've played at home. Yeah. Um, and I think that might be a factor as well. Yeah, I think we've played a, a large chunk of uh, finals-bound teams at home this year, so yeah, I think that's certainly got something to do with it. And look, unfortunately, the way we play is uh, is quite a spur of the moment and haphazard. That uh, we open ourselves up to teams uh, with good structure and, and a pretty clear idea of how they want to play. And not only that, I don't think the crowd has been anywhere near as involved as it was back in thirteen and fourteen. Especially this year, I think the crowd involvement's dropped off pretty markedly and it's pretty quiet uh, most game days. Uh, will we see a financial hit? Uh, of course we will. Uh, memberships dropped this year. Attendances have dropped. Um, no doubt we'll probably see membership uh, drop again next year as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, we've probably cost ourselves a million in revenue from this. Um, I don't agree. Um, I think that what we're seeing more than anything else is just the end of the Adelaide Oval blip. Um, I think we always expected it was going to be about three years, yeah? yeah. Um, and we've come to the end of that now. So that now we'll see, I suppose, crowds be at the level we can reasonably expect for the rest of our time at Adelaide Oval, I would say. Yeah. Do you think it's, um, do you think uh, poor form at home is anything to do with Adelaide Oval itself, like the dimensions and all that sort of stuff? Look, it is um, in a respect in that it is a large ground um, and the fact that we never have stay-at-home forwards means you have to run so much. Like you have to run so much to make those opportunities arise. Um, And so you're running hard at Adelaide Oval than you are at the SCG to do the same thing. Um, Yeah, I, I think there is a factor in that and I think that when you have a long ground relatively, it makes it even more... I wouldn't say it's obviously definitely a big difference, but there's more incentive to have a stay-at-home forward or two. Yeah. Uh, the Beard Amigos has asked, uh, we lost that game in the first 15 or 20 minutes of the second term where we switched off. The Crowbots uh, couldn't extend the margin, but they kicked four or five goals to none in that time. Uh, who or what cost us in that 15 to 20 minutes? Ah... Uh... I don't know, Mackie, you want to take that one? Yeah, I think we've seen it a lot over the last two years, and I think it just boils down to skills, (laughs) to be honest, and also structure. And If you've got skills, if you've got the skills to hit targets and a structure in place, then you can effectively play against momentum swings. That's what good sides do. Yes. Um, You can keep the ball and uh, and do what you want with it. But unfortunately, when teams are peppering our goals, we don't have the skills to be able to keep the ball. Um, As has been much uh, talked about on the forum. Our kick-in strategy is mm. uh, incredibly basic, yep. uh, entirely predictable. And uh, as we don't really have a big, reliable, contested mark in our side, we struggle to keep the ball. Um, 
our foot skills are poor. Uh, so even, even if we do manage to retain possession on the 50, we generally turn it over again um, with, the, with the second kick. Uh, we've seen it all year. Our transition football has been ridiculously poor, and we just bang the ball forward with no rhyme or reason, and kind of hope for the best. And look, half the time we just quickly boot it forward, and there aren't even any teammates in the vicinity of the kick. So, so you're just thinking, well, what do you think's going to happen? It's just going to come straight back in again. And I think that's the main thing we really need to work on in the off season, to be honest, is skills and uh, skills and more skills, and possession retention needs to be key. And working over and over on our forward movement needs to be key as well. And, you know, we fix these things and we're going to be a much better side and much more competitive. Yeah, and look, particularly in relation to the defensive uh, issue, this is probably a question you can answer better if you've been to the game. Um, in the past, when we have had quarters where we have really struggled getting the ball out of defence, it's usually been because our players have stopped offering leads for people with the ball. Did that happen? Uh, I think so, yep. Yeah. Well, look, I think we go into our shell and play quite stagnant when we're under the pump. Yep. Um, we, we, it, it's almost la- very lazy football. Instead of working hard to get yourself out yeah. of it, you sort of go back into your shell, you don't run, you don't create, and you just uh, try and get rid of the ball so you're not the one <laughs> making the big mistake, I think. And that's yeah. why we see yep. players just bomb the ball forward to nobody. That's why... Uh, we have these incredibly um, predictable kick-ins. It's just, well, what do we do? Let's just kick it to the 50. And unfortunately, we don't have Daryl Wakeland anymore. We don't have Darren Mead. We don't have Brendan Lade. We don't have Matty Primus, who were reliable marks, who you knew if uh, if you kicked it in their direction, you know, eight times out of 10, they're going to mark the ball. We don't have that. We don't have a reliable contested mark in our side that can mark the ball on a, on a defensive 50 from a kick-in. Um, so I don't understand why we continue to uh, to do that. Um, look, I mean, I think part of it, like we talk about how they just sort of bomb it along, I think part of it is if I, if, if I was the person kicking out and I just sort of visualise what's happening and there's no one obvious to kick to, then the secondary response would be, well, I think I can see some space for them to run into, so I'll kick it there and hope they get the hint. Mm. I think that's happening a lot. Yeah. I think that's happening a lot. Look, our skills let us down so much. Um, And this has been a a cancer that's spread through the club for probably a good four or five years now. Um, And we just need to start recruiting players that can kick and the players that continue to let us down with our skills, we need to say goodbye to and, and try and move them out of the side. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've I've been on record as saying in the past that yeah, skills are a problem, but you've got to have the time to to actually kick the the right way and all that sort of thing. And if you've got a system, it makes it easy to kick on instinct and yada yada yada. Um, that's all true too. And I, I still think yeah, you can recruit for skills, but you can have skilled players that look like shit in another team because there's no system. We've seen that many many times. Um, you know, we could go out and get a. a, a a, a good, skillful second-string midfielder, and they'll probably come into our side and they would look terrible. Yeah. Because there's no uh, system. Mm. Uh, Chris has asked, uh, when is the best time to replace recruiting staff? Is leaving it post-season, uh, for example, in the next few weeks, uh, too soon to draft a trade period, um, losing us valuable intel? Uh yeah, this isn't the time. I mean, it's not really the time. It's not at all if, the time if, to do it. If, if you think 
from from my mind, the main thing you have to consider when you're going to get in your recruitment manager is you need to know that there's a recruitment manager you want out there. Like that's the number one step. And if yeah. there's some availability considerations to take into account with that, then you work around that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But ultimately, you would ideally do it after the um, preseason draft slash rookie draft is done. Yeah, that's that, that week after that would be a perfect time to switch over. Outside of a, uh, a gross misconduct charge by one yeah. of the staff, no one's going to leave just before the draft. I mean, your name would be mud <laughs> if you did that. And I, I don't yeah. think anyone across the entire AFL would look too fondly with uh, someone walking out you know, weeks before the draft and you're the, the chief recruiting officer. Uh, as you said, the best time's immediately after the draft, and which gives the next person a full draft year to, uh, to work off as well. So. Yeah, it, look, it's one of those positions where I know in AFL it's really uncommon to, you know, in rugby league obviously it happens all the time, but it's really uncommon in AFL to say, okay, I'm here until blah and then I'm off at X club, you know, at, at the Brisbane, I'm going to Brisbane at the end of January or whatever else. But I think the recruiting manager is really the one role in AFL that, that realistically could and probably should happen. Yeah. Um, because once you've had your drafts, well, you start all over again the next year anyway, so yeah. it's not going to lose a lot of IP. Uh, what's the single biggest recruiting need at the end of this season? Uh, high quality key position forward, mid or ruckman? This is asked by PJ Power. Um, are we drafting or trading? Draft. Draft. Well, not sure. If we draft anything, if we're drafting, uh, to my mind, it's key position forward, and secondary to that is key position forward slash ruckman. Yeah. Um, if we're trading, then you can always do. If if you can trading, you can always get in a a pretty good mid, a bit better. Because um, I don't I I don't know that we're gonna unless our coaching changes significantly. I don't think we can get in a a, a Chris Dawes or whoever else that's just a, a a very basic key forward and have them perform at any level. You know, I don't think we could get Travis Cloak after he gets delisted or whatever else and come in. I don't think he'd come in and do any better. He'd probably do much worse. So yep. there's a lot of things that are going to affect that. But if we're drafting, I want key position forwards and mids and, um, as I said, the KPF ruck. I don't think we need to go nuts for pure rucks. But if we do decide we want one or two, then it's a rookie list job. Yeah, for sure. Um, Sleazy has asked, uh, who is responsible for our movement out of the back line? What do other teams do that we don't? And what is our justification for not doing that? Um, what The other thing other teams do that we don't is that they know what's happening. <laughs> is it they hit targets? <laughs> well, they hit targets, but more importantly, the people that are being targeted know where to run to. Yeah. You know, uh, that comes ties into what I was saying earlier about if the, if the movement stops in our back line, that's when we are shit. Yeah. Um, and Hawthorne don't do that. No. no. Look, as I said, um, I'd understand being predictable with our kick-ins if it actually worked. <laughs> you know, mm. If we had a Wakeland and a Mead or a Laid or someone mark on the ball time and time again, then fine. <laughs> you can understand yeah. why we would do that time and time again, but we don't. Our get-out-of-jail-free card expired a very long time ago and hasn't worked all year. Um, what happened to those quick kick-ins and, and running it out of the back line? And all we ever do is kick it to the same spot every bloody time. Yeah. Yes, Correct. Uh, AFL 2004 has asked, uh, does Macca still have faith in Hinckley? Uh, yes. Uh, really? I, I do, but he needs to deliver next year and it's top four or bust. 
if uh, no excuses next year. No. Uh, if we don't make top four, he's gone. If it looks like we're missing the finals, um, I would think he'll be gone by before the end of the season. I hate that. I hate that situation. That is the worst situation to be in when you have a list that you know you need to improve the slow way and not... We've already gone for quick fixes the last two off-seasons. Last three, I suppose, if you include Pollock, which is arguably not. Yep. Um, so, if <laughs> I don't know. If, if you're going to say to Hinckley, you've got to be top four next year, then how can you also say, by the way, you're not going to be able to trade in any players and we're going to hit the draft heavy? Like You can't do both. It's unreasonable. I'm, I'm happy to hit the. Uh, I'm happy to trade in players. I'm not. I'm definitely not. Our our no God no. Well, ultimately, is, is I'd like awful. to do both. Well, look, you want to uh, you want to make ten plus changes to the list. I mean, that doesn't have to be 10 18 year olds coming into the into the squad. It doesn't have to be. I wouldn't hate it if it happened. <laughs> Neither would I, but I would also like a bit of balance and uh, maybe finding some, you know, 21, 22, 23-year-olds that could also uh, fit in straight away and uh, hopefully improve our side. But we haven't got the capital to trade for them. That's the thing. Well, we do. It's just whether we want to trade for it or not. So we can give up our our draft picks again and then we can trade in for 21, 22-year-olds that wouldn't be... Our draft picks aren't the only capital that we've got. I know we've got, we've got players as well. Of player capital that uh, but, that a lot of people want to trade. So yeah, but that's not adding to our yeah. Okay, well we'll see. I guess you can I, trade I, in draft picks and then combine those draft picks for other items. Well, I would be happy. As I've said, I would be happy to say goodbye to Lobie, say goodbye to Hartlett, and use them to get something that's going to really improve our side. Uh, I I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's too mean. Um, the, the Heartlet one will get you something, um, but I don't think we'll get everything that we would dream. Um, uh, we, I don't know. We would get a first rounder for Heartlet as a bare minimum. We would get a first rounder. Someone's going to give up a, a. If North were planning on giving him seven hundred and fifty grand a year last year, they would. <laughs> if we offered him up, they would give us a bloody first rounder for it. No doubt. Maybe. Because you're not if you're if you want to pay someone that much, you're not just going to go. Oh, he's only worth a late second round pick. Are you? Well, you say that, but we got done with the Nick Stevens deal on exactly that basis. They, you know, they said, uh, "Oh, Nick Stevens will pay you the moon," but we're only going. He's, he's not worth that much. <laughs> you know that, that happens every trade week. The yeah, but the difference that is that Hartley's contracted, <laughs> so we hold the cards. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But if we're saying we want to move him on, then we don't hold the cards because it's a buyer's market when you've got a contracted player with a big price on his head. Mm. 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 Well, it's interesting anyway. It'll be interesting to see what happens and hopefully we make some changes. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, Paf has asked um, a couple of questions regarding uh, what we expect our game plan to be next year with a full squad available. I have no idea because <laughs> I'm not convinced, first of all, that the coaching will be the same. I'm not convinced that the playing list will be the same. Um, and even if they are the same, I'm not convinced that we'll try the same shit that failed so horribly this year. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah my answer is who bloody knows? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've yeah, seen that's us play, what, 
25 games maybe all up this year, and uh, I'm still trying to work out what's going on out there. So, yeah, who knows what will happen next year, and uh, hopefully something that we can sort of dissect and actually uh, wins us some footy games. Yeah. Here's one. Here's, here's, here's a question from Portia, um, which I've just made up, which is Ryan has said on um, Spreaker Chat, he reckons Robbie for two first-rounders. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you a, a difficult question, Macca. Okay. If the Crows come close to the grand final or the premiership and they don't win it and they offer us two first-rounders for Robbie Gray, do you do that trade? Uh, <laughs> it depends on what the picks are. Okay, let's say there's a top 10. Are they and, pick and 18 a... and 20 or something or are they, you know, two top let's, 10 picks? Let's say it's 10 and 15. Oh... It's a tough one, isn't it? That's a real tough one. My head says maybe you should do that. My heart says absolutely not. It would absolutely ruin the club if we made that sort of trade. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> That's a cool I, I No more questions from Porsche. You're banned from questions. From <laughs> Sorry. It's too hard. <laughs> And who wants to see Robbie in that Guernsey for God's sake? <laughs> no way. What a horrible thought. Wow, I really hit the funny bone with that one, didn't I? <laughs> oh, you're out. You're not invited back on uh, doing this review podcast anymore. Sorry. Uh, uh, let's see. Ha Wingard has asked, uh, someone came into work sick today and now I am sick. Should I, A, work from home, in inverted commas, or B, go into work and keep spreading the friendly germs? Um, so you go to Crows training. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spread the parvo virus around, how we go. Do it. That's the one. That's it. Uh, Fishing Rick <laughs> has asked, uh, why don't we ever try and intimidate Eddie? He hates the physical stuff and we don't implement it at all. I don't know. Probably because we give away so many free kicks and we don't want to play a man-on-man strategy. Possibly, we're we're not really a, and uh, we're not really a, a team that <laughs> really tries to intimidate individual players. Really, I don't think. No, no. No, we did and, that against Cochin, but that's probably about it this year. And honestly, when you're in, we we look at we talk about intimidating a player in the opposition as if it's just like oh, we'll just intimidate that one player. But it doesn't work if you only do it on one player. You know, when yeah. we talk about the the glory days of the power. With um, Hardwick, Carr, and Pickett, we had Hardwick, Carr, and Pickett. You know, we we didn't. It wasn't a half-assed thing at that point. Mm. Um, we focused on that, and we had more than one person doing it. And Michael Wilson was pretty good in his own way. We had a whole bunch of guys out there that had just a little bit of elbow to them. Um, we can't just say, "Oh, DBJ, we're good. He can be our rough nut." Like no team that has any credibility as a rough nut, intimidating side, has one rough nut. Yeah, that's true. It would, it would, look, I think it would work. I think, uh, look, we tried a few different tactics on Eddie and uh, just didn't work. He is that good. He's a bloody good footballer. Yeah, but this comes into another question from Portia. No which more is, questions should, from Portia. <laughs> which is, should we be recruiting guys that have got a bit of aggro? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Would you actively recruit guys with a bit of aggro as opposed uh, to us? In the uh, draft extravaganza that we're going to do uh, at the end of the season, I think uh, 
there's probably two or three players that I rate exceptionally highly that do have that aggro. Okay. Okay. Probably good. higher than most have them, I would think. But let's get all of them. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> They're probably all available too, so that might oh, nice. be good. Mm. Good. Uh, Simba has asked, what is your routine from when you wake up to when you get in the car? I don't get in the car on public transport. So what is your routine? Um, alarm, hit snooze twice, get up, um, bathroom, uh, bit of breakfast, get dressed, go. Yep. I like that. Usually, uh, Usually, these days, I have a rough night and the kids wake up multiple times, so that's uh, never fun. But I uh, usually check any sports scores on my phone that I'm interested in from overnight. Um, usually, the kids are woken up by then, so I'll get uh, the first of their breakfast organised and have a shower. If I've got time, I'll get their second breakfast organised and might get them dressed. Otherwise, I'll uh, download any new podcast that I'm subscribed to, then uh, head to work. Usually, it takes about 40 minutes, that whole process. Okay, that's pretty good. I don't uh, think Premi- there was... We, we didn't have very interesting answers to that question, did we? No, not really. No. Sorry. No. Uh, Premier's 04 has asked a banana milkshake or banana smoothie. Um, are we talking fake banana milkshake? Uh, well, I would think so, yeah. Well, if I, cause, because I would probably have like one every three or four or five years, I'd probably go the fake banana milkshake because it's what I liked it when I was a kid. So, yeah, there you go. I'm going to say neither because bananas are vile. Oh! I despise them. I haven't had a banana in probably since, I don't know, 2001. Well, <laughs> that's because we're not racists. I have fake banana and you don't have it. Mm, that's it. <laughs> uh, ben Jennings on Spreaker Chat has asked, Maka, why are your kids getting two breakfasts? Because mm. <laughs> uh, they're growing and they like two breakfasts. So usually... Um, They'll get like a tiny little cup of uh, cornflakes, just dry, just to nibble on while I'm having a shower, and then uh, they'll have either a piece of toast or some wheat bix after that. The real answer is that they're hobbits. Yes, they are hobbits. Yeah, mm. they are small. They're yep. only young. There you go. Mm. Next question. Next question. Well, that's the questions done. Oh my god! What? That is the questions done. No, Sleazy had a good one, didn't he? Well, you can ask it. I can't remember where it is. Ah, I okay. <laughs> I can't remember either. I don't have the forum open. So. No. Uh, okay. Well, sorry, Sleazy. Sleazy's on the chat right now. So, Sleazy, ask your question again in the chat in the next uh, 30 seconds and we'll we'll ask it. Uh, Loby to West Coast, would you do it? In a second. Uh, look, honestly, I'd do Loby to anywhere do? for nothing. Oh, would they do it? God, no. Probably not. They certainly, they certainly, they certainly wouldn't give us license for him. So I think that's no. where people are going with that. No, very true. Um, mm. Well, I think uh, I think license a pretty good uh, a backup ruckman for them. I think he's going to uh, do a pretty good job for them. Yeah, he'll be all right for a backup. It should be fine. Well, I think there's going to be teams that are interested in Lobie. No doubt, there's teams that want a ruckman who can play as a first ruck, and Lobie can do that. Um, I think we'll still get something pretty decent for him. It won't be a first-round pick, but I'm pretty confident we'll get uh, something between sort of maybe pick 20 and 30 for him, which on this year's form you'd take any day of the week. Uh, Look, 
Matthew Lobby is the type of player that I mocked thoroughly when he played at the Crows under the name Matthew Clark. Um, and you can't <laughs> note, there's no team. Yeah, but Matthew Clark could win taps. Yeah, That's but he had the reason why I compare him is because he had no other aspect to his game. You know, that's why he was oh, always yeah. behind was, Sean Wren. And, yeah. and meanwhile, we had Primus and Laird and Brogan and everyone else that could play around the ground. And now we're the ones that have got the Matthew Clark and it's just shit. It's just total shit. You don't want that. You can't afford to have a 21-man football team and a guy with long arms. You can't afford to do that. Yeah, so. but some, some teams do. Some teams have that and are quite happy with that. <laughs> Who? Well, Who is Gold happy Coast with it? Have Tom Nichols. Are they happy with it? Well, I don't know. They might be. <laughs> well, uh, you said they're happy. Richmond are playing bloody um, marriage and Hanson, how's that going? How's that going? Pretty bloody ordinary. <laughs> All right, next, um, next, next one. Who's the who's the next top four side? <laughs> oh, look, probably St Kilda might might be interested. <laughs> look, I didn't say uh, you know the premiers are going to bloody trade for him. I said there will be teams out there that are pretty keen on him. Yeah, Gold Coast, Richmond, maybe Essendon dogs, while we're at the it. Dogs might still be keen on him. Brisbane Lions. Oh, the dogs won't be keen on him in two seconds, Macca. You don't reckon? Nah, God, no. I Absolutely not. I don't know. <clears throat> nah. We'll have to wait and see. Sleazy's put his question up, which is the one I wanted to answer. When did it become acceptable to make list decisions based on players playing for the careers in games that don't matter instead of players playing for their team in the games that do matter? Mm. When? When did it happen? When did that become acceptable? Probably 2005, to be honest. Yeah, pretty much. Seems to have been that way for a long time. But Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the West off rule. <laughs> Again, it's uh, being ruthless, making decisions that may not be popular, but uh, for the good of the side and good for your improvement. Oh, you just pinpointed the start of Peter Road, Maka. <laughs> Peter was a genius. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Peter, Peter Rode, the, 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 the king of long contracts to players that aren't going to make it. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what well, are our props again? Question time over. Let's uh, have a okay, quick chat sorry. about the review. Uh, for the mm. third time in succession, the Adelaide Crows have done the job over Port. Uh, this time by 15 points, 15-19 to 14-10. Aaron Young kicked three, Needy and uh, Robbie Gray kicked two goals each. Uh, I guess the first question I've got is um, positives. What were they? Um, I mean, I guess, look, if you if you tip, if we win, sorry, if we come that close to winning um, in a week that both of us have tipped Port to lose by more than 70 points, I think, from memory, um, yep. then there is some good side to it. Uh, not a lot. Uh, there were some appalling performances. Um, we mentioned the Macca before the podcast. Uh, what, Justin Westhoff had a disposal efficiency of less than 50%. Um, but as far as upside, I mean, there are a couple of good things. I think Jarman Impey, he really had a pretty excellent game in some respects. So he's not he's not there yet, but some of the things he can do are extremely good. Um, he is playing very attacking football, which I love to see personally. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Robbie Gray is always good. He was good again. Um, 
and I, I guess if we're going to have to pinpoint something that also is positive about it is we worked out a few players that we definitely don't want on the list next year. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, it's probably a few that had uh, some stinkers, some that look uh, a little bit over the hill, but uh, look, positives, look, we obviously played pretty well. We almost won the game, um, mm. but why do that in a showdown? As I said to start the podcast, where was that against Frio? Where was that against Carlton? Where was that last week? Where was that against Sydney with the season on the line? You know, it's all, all well and good to uh, to perform that way against your arch rival, uh, you know, and, and call it your grand final and all that sort of stuff. But um, you know, too little, too late, really. Well, not uh, acceptable. Say, yeah, I mean, the the guys that I would sort of say, yeah, they've improved well. Guys like Carl Amon, Jarman Impey, um, Darcy Byrne Jones, obviously, he's just been, he's, had, he's not been as good as explosive as he was when he started, but he's been playing well. Ollie Wines was an absolute beast, you know. Yeah. The guys that played well that have been on a level or an increasing in form curve, that was nice to see in this game because they all played pretty well. Yeah. Um, but you're right, there are some usual suspects, absolutely. It's just frustrating that we can pull that out against the Crows, but uh, can't do it when it really matters. And I've got no doubt we'll lose this week against Gold Coast. Yeah, look, it's possible. Um, yeah. Um, Ollie Wines, you, you mentioned him. He was an absolute beast, and he was probably best on ground for both clubs, I guess. Uh, 10 clearances, uh, 28 touches. Um, his kicking was a lot better. Seven inside 50s. Uh, how did you see his game? Uh, he was fantastic. I made a comment on the game day thread, I think in the first half, which is that, oh, I think in the first half, anyway, that it, it, if we had ended up this being a close game that we'd won, it would have almost been like that Matthew Primus game back in 2002 uh, with the two goals in two minutes um, uh, through Peter Burgoyne, I think the final one was, and where he really marked himself as the next captain of the Port Adelaide Football Club. Um, I think this could have been that sort of match. He obviously didn't have a lot of friends around in, in some respects in terms of making good use of what he did, but he played really committed football in a way that I think the start of this year we were all expecting this to be his monster year. Um, he's had a hard time of it for various reasons, but I think he's now at this tail end of the season really becoming the player that I think in round one we were all hoping he would be, which is unfortunate, but hopefully it means that next year he's, he's on that upward uh, improvement scale again. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Matty Lobie, um, much <laughs> talked about. How did you see his performance and uh, why did he play well? He didn't. <laughs> Look, he, 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 we talk about he's a great tap ruckman. Um, if taps anything, he's got to his game. Well, Sam Jacobs had 38 hitouts and Lobby had 22. Lobby had half the disposals and they were pretty ordinary. Um, he had one mark, as usual. Um, what's to his, what has he got to his game? What's he got to his... Yeah, I'm not going to talk more about Matty Lobby. Everyone's heard it. Well, I thought he was actually all right. I thought uh, uh, he competed really well. He didn't allow Jacobs to get over the top of him. Yes, Jacobs got a bit more of the ball around the ground, but um, I thought Lobby um, really did a, a pretty decent job of um, making sure that our midfielders um, had a fair bit of the ball as well. How much time when the ball was in play did we see Matty Lobby running around by himself because he couldn't get near the ball? Oh, quite a lot. And no, no one wants to play. And no one wants to play through him. Mm. No one wants to play through him. Well, you know that's just, that's just, well, it's we're, a damn. We're trying it's to just... sell him here. We're trying. We're trying to sell him for something decent. <laughs> no, I know. Lobby, but Lobby he... was great. He was. Uh, he should have been showdown medalist. 
really? Yeah, if, look, if you've got a, a tall key player that your opposition leaves alone and none of your team are going to go through him, there's a problem. Well, he was drafted as a key forward, you know. <laughs> he should definitely be worth a first-round pick. <laughs> Anyone that can play as a ruckman and a key forward. Like, uh, they got a lot of value. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, I can't offer more damning criticism than I already have, so sure. (laughs) Look, Jackson Trengo didn't spend a whole lot of time in the ruck. Um, Do you Mm. think that's solely because we had Matthew Lobie out there, or do you think it was because we didn't really have anyone else that could man Josh Jenkins? I think it's because Matthew Lobby cleans a mean car. Um, (laughs) I mean, obviously, Matthew Lobby's not out there, then Trengo is our ruckman. That's inevitable, yeah? Um, so that is the correct answer, um, because I, you know, if, if he wasn't there, we wouldn't be playing Trango back. We wouldn't, we wouldn't put Westhoff in ruck a whole game because he's not really. I don't reckon he's ever really been up to it for a whole game for sure. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's Do that. you think um, in retrospect we went in? Oh, I think we spoke about this at length in the uh, in the preview. Do you think we went in too small down back, or do you think uh, it didn't work out too bad? I think it was more important to us to stifle supply than it was to necessarily be contesting in the air. Mm. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think okay. so. I think you've done well. Cool. Look, I thought our key defenders did a pretty decent job defensively. Uh, I thought Cleary had a really good game. Trengove um, certainly had the better of Jenkins until the last quarter. Uh, O'Shea had a had a rough night. He um, looked all out of sorts out there. But um, oh yeah, look maybe <clears throat> maybe if uh, Walker kicked four goals two instead of two goals four, and if Lynch kicked a couple of his easy ones, then uh, maybe I might have thought uh, it was a little bit different. But I thought they uh, they performed pretty well. Yeah, look, I mean, goal kicking accuracy when multiple players that are usually pretty accurate are kicking inaccurate. You can write it off as luck, but sometimes it's just the way it is. It's the opposition making you inaccurate. So, yeah. yeah. But O'Shea was not good. No, he wasn't. And, uh, again, that might be uh, one of the last times we see him. Uh, yes, I'd say so. Mm. And we will both cry many tears. Mm. Well, if he comes to Melbourne, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, who else is there to talk about? Jay Schultz. Um, should that have been his farewell game? Yes, and he should have been told it too. Is that his farewell game? Yes. You think be. so? He was he was all out of sorts as well, to use the same phrase. Um, he yep. just didn't offer anything at all. Just couldn't get anything going. Uh, and a, lo- a lot of the times you just thought, come on, where is he? Um, and he was on the other side of the park or just, you know, 50 metres away from the play. Wasn't able to run, wasn't able to provide any sort of link-up play at all. Um, you know, I, to be honest, I thought we really missed Butcher out there. Yeah. Um, we, we at least missed a third option that we could uh, try and kick to. We missed a fit option. Mm. That's what we missed. So did we both say goodbye to... Uh, to Schultz and Butcher, or do you think we will keep one next year? Oh, look, it really depends on what we do with key position forwards as to whether we keep Butcher or not, but I reckon Schultz is definitely gone. 
Um, he's at that player age where you watch him like, what is it, the wolves watch old wolves and put them down when they are not going to be able to keep up and whatever else. Yeah, um, yeah look, I, I think that Butcher has some very slim chance. But look, if they both went, I'd kind of be pleased in that it would demand that we address our key position forward problem. I mean, last year I was complaining that we didn't delist Butcher because he obviously wasn't going to do much, and it's turned out he hasn't done much. Um, and so we've had a key position forward slot again this year, again, again, again. But we said, oh, no, we've got a key position forward. It's like, yeah, maybe we do, but he's not going to be what we need, and that's another year of development we've pissed away. Um, and so if we cut them both, I'd be pretty stoked, to be honest, the more I think about it. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we might keep one, uh, just for, just for an option. I think if things go awry, but uh, I'm not a hundred percent sold on that. Uh, I think sadly Schultz has finished. He's had a great career at Port Adelaide, um, one that should be celebrated by the fans and the club. Um, but I think the time is uh, now to say goodbye. I think. I would add I think something. It's clear. I'd add something else to my view on this, which is that if you're going to go under high in any area, any area of the ground, it's the forward line. Yeah. If, if you're going to pick an area on the ground where you're not going to have the height to do it, it's mosquito flake time. Yeah. You can so, get away with it and still win games. You can. Um, you can't really do that elsewhere. No. So I think that's I think that's part of it as well. Uh, is Justin Westhoff ignoring Jesse Palmer alone in the goal square to have a snapshot 20 metres out in front and spraying it terribly the most frustrating thing you've seen on a football field? I think it's the most Westhoff thing I've seen on a football field. I nearly walked out when that happened. I, was, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been that angry when I've uh, been at a footy game before. Yeah. Yep. The worst thing is if he stays in this week, then that teaches other forwards and that side to think, oh, you can get away with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Should be dropped. Didn't even look. <laughs> Didn't even look. Just no. banged it on the boot, nearly kicked it out on the full. Jesse Palmer, 20 metres on his own, on the goal line, saying, what are you doing, son? Not acceptable. Yeah. Not acceptable, and you're right, it is the most West Off thing. He's probably done in his career, to be honest, yeah, and he's done a probably. lot. Um, and that that would be right up there. Mm, mm. He should be dropped this week. Yeah. Uh, I'd, 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 cut, I'd cut him too, incidentally. I would cut. I would cut all of Butcher, Schultz, and Westhoff this year. Okay. Ryder, you're cut. You're too tall. <laughs> Dixon, no, keep I like your beard. You're gone. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> Dukes, you're on one knee. You're cut. Sorry. <laughs> mm. Sorry. What's Brad Ebert doing these days? <laughs> no, seriously, I, I would be pretty happy cutting all of those. Yeah. Look, I, I think... <laughs> I, I doubt we'll cut West off, but... Oh, right. too. If we had options, then... Yeah, nah. Nah. I'd, I'd cut them all and then be okay with who we bring in. Honestly. Yeah. I would debate that, but well, I like your okay. style. I like your way of thinking. <laughs> Brody, where's he at? Um, his was another sort of um, less than impressive performance, I guess, on the weekend. Broadbent is a player that I really like, 
because he rarely does things that I go, that was really good broadbent. But on the other hand, he also doesn't do things like Camo Shea does or that even Pittard does that you go, that was absolutely diabolically shit. Um, when he gets beaten by his opponent, he usually manages to not be near the opponent when it happens. Yeah. Um, he, look, if you were an absolute cynic, you'd say he is the absolute master of me first football. Um, oh, for sure. The way he plays. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I don't think that's all down to him, though. I think. No, I don't think so. But I think the way we choose to play him correct. has made him sort of play that way. I agree. And become a and bit lazy. And look, he's the absolute master of being 20 metres off a loose opponent. Yep. And then just slowly trotting towards the mark, hoping no one notices that he was the closest player. <laughs> yeah, basically waiting until the camera's off, seeing him go, ah, oh, damn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the camera's gone, trot in quickly. Yeah. Um and look, I mean, I agree that it's partially how he's being played, but it's also it's Port Adelaide cultural thing that we still have to get out of the side. So, yeah. Mm. Right onto the SANFL quickly. Uh, the Maggies continued on their winning ways uh, with a dominant twenty-five point win, which sounds a little bit strange um, against Norwood at Albert and Oval, but uh, they won sixteen-seven to twelve goal six. Uh, the Maggies led forty-six to nothing at quarter time. They led by as much as 60-odd uh, points at some stage, uh, but uh, the spirit of Nord comeback in the last quarter cut the margin and probably cut out our finals hopes as well. Um, what are your thoughts on that game? Um, we had a number of uh, decent performances. Johnny Butcher kicked four goals. Kane Mitchell had 39 touches and three goals. Um, and good old Will Snelling, 31 touches, five marks, five clearances, five inside 50s, and a goal. Should he play this week? Yeah, well, you, there's a case for it. Um, I'm not sure it's a super strong one, and doesn't have to be elevated to play anyway. Snelling, so I don't he think does. we'd do that. Well, we wouldn't. What? It, look, it's just a waste of money and whatever else it costs to elevate Snelling for one game against Gold Coast in a dead rubber season. Um, you don't. No, I don't think it costs all that much. Ah, oh, it costs enough. Uh, I don't think it's, what two grand is probably what it's going to cost us to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, look, I wouldn't do it at this point of the year. I mean, there's no – what difference is it going to make to do it? You know, if he's if we think he's any good, then he's not going to prove it in one game against the Gold Coast when neither, to, neither side particularly wants to win. Um, he's either proven himself at this point or he hasn't for next season. So, yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing him out there just because I like watching debutants play and uh, oh, fun. seeing how they do. Um. I guess uh, it would be interesting to see Bonner play as well, um, if he gets yeah, going the last one. round. Um, that one's probably a bit more likely, I guess. Mm. Uh, Kane Mitchell, 39 touches, 6 marks, 5 clearances, 8 inside 50s, 3 goals. Probably right up there with his uh, career best performances, I guess. Yeah, you'd have to imagine he's gone at the end of the year, though. Oh, for sure. It's hard to see why we would keep him. Yeah. Um, but look, good on him. He, play, he plays bloody consistent football. He has a crack, doesn't he? He's got the best out of himself. Yeah. Um, when we drafted him, I thought, there's no way he's going to play a game. And he's played, you know, whatever it is, 30-odd games. He's done well. He's played some really good AFL footy. He's played some outstanding SAFL footy for the Maggies. Uh, good on him. Yeah, yeah. He's got the right attitude. It's just a pity he's... Uh, 148 centimetres tall. 
Yes, that is an issue that we have mm. to address in list management, blah, blah, boring, shut up, Porsche. Yep. Two of the other uh, uh, rookie list players also had probably their best games for the year. Cam Hewitt had 22 touches, uh, five clearances, a couple of inside 50s as well. That was uh, probably his best game for the year. And Dan Houston as well was a lead-up player. Had uh, 20 touches and 10 marks. And uh, I do like Houston. I'd be uh, pretty happy to see him get another year on the rookie list. Would you? I would. Because, I mean, this has been an okay year for SA in the under-18s. And most of them are not particularly tall. And if you're going to get value drafting players that aren't Ruckman on the rookie list, I mean, this is probably one of the years that it's good to do it. Uh-huh. Um, so I think there would be that aspect. But yeah, I mean, would you keep... What, well, just... as I've said, I would think Mitchell's gone. Um, I would say goodbye to Cam Hewitt, personally. Okay. I think yep. Cracker should go. Mm. Uh, that's three. I think Snelling should be upgraded. So that's four oh, okay. spots on the rookie list. Um Mm. I think, you see, I think me, keeping I... Houston. I think Houston has developed well. I think when we drafted him, he looked very much a one-dimensional lead mark kick player. Um, but I think he's done a lot of work this year, um, and he looks a much more sort of a multifaceted footballer uh, than I thought he would be. And I think he's worth another twelve months just to see how he goes. Honestly, I, I mean, I, when you put it out like that, I understand. I am probably differ in that I don't think I would elevate Snelling because I don't think, first of all, I don't think he's justified the two-year contract that will come with it um, because he can't possibly live without playing a game. Um, and he'll stay on that list for another year. He'll be happy to stay on that list for another year, and that means we can yeah, sure. draft in the main draft. So I, 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 don't think there's a, I don't think there's enough reason to elevate Snelling at this point, although okay. he might. He might be a really good player, but we'll get better value as a list management thing if we keep him there, I think. Okay. No, that's fair. Um, Steve Summerton had another great game. Uh, 33 touches, 11 marks, two goals. The uh, the captain just keeps on keeping on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you're the captain, you should be keeping on, shouldn't you? Mm. Um, I don't know what... Yeah. Do you think... Do you think there's any Magpies players that you'd say you wanted the power? that are not currently on the list? Um, obviously, the the obvious one to talk about would be Luke Reynolds. Um, and I guess we'll talk about him in a few weeks' time in a bit more detail. But, you know, he's had a great year. Whether he or his player type is something that could transfer to AFL football, I'm not too sure. I've got concerns okay. about that. I think there's a fair chance uh, we will look at him pretty strongly. Um Outside of that, I really like how Nathan uh, Rudloff goes about his footy, but I don't think he's got AFL potential. Um, okay. So the, I guess the short answer to that question is probably no, to be honest. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's not unexpected, so... No. No. All right. But I think, obviously, Reynolds has the best chance to uh, get drafted. Yeah. Well, I mean, he might end up somewhere, for sure. Mm. He's probably... <laughs> Another Porsche question. Oh, do, you, do, you do, you, do you think... No, that's not really because Lobby's contract. I was going to say, do you think that Lobby or Reynolds is more likely to be on an AFL list next year? But obviously it's Lobby. But I think if he wasn't contracted, I think it would be a good question. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Can I edit that out? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's cool. Yes, I think Lobby will definitely be on an AFL list next year, considering he's got uh, three years to go on his contract. So he's definitely going to be somewhere. <laughs> but if he didn't, 
If he didn't, I reckon it'd be a close call. Anyway. If he didn't, it would be touch and go. Mm. Right. Right. Well. (laughs) What a terrible way to end the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Good fun. Well, one game to go against Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for that, I guess. I guess. Yeah, this is one of the things that I kind of wonder, like, do you think the players will just stay on the Gold Coast after the match and have their Mad Monday up there? <laughs> I mean, you'd be really tempted to if you are a player, wouldn't you? Oh, it's bound to happen, surely. <laughs> you'd have to do it. Well, surely really. Charlie's got some contacts up there and they can go and party. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, all right, on that note... Okay. Uh, I guess we'll say goodbye and uh, join us again on Thursday for the the preview of the the Mad Monday uh, game. And uh, on that note, Khan the Pear. Khan, Port Adelaide. Butcha. Butcha. There's only one more we could be able to say butcha. He ignores it. He goes long to even. Bouncing ball. Back of the pack. Stuart Jew. Box back there. Russian, Jew off the deck! Oh, the Jew kick! The ball, has slowed it! The ball barracks for Paul!